Welcome to the Accessibility Solutions Podcast, hosted by Linda Hunt, an award-winning accessibility consultant, speaker, and author. With over 30 years experience in senior management roles and a deep passion for creating inclusive environments, Linda brings us unmatched expertise and credibility to our discussions. Join us as we explore transformative power of accessibility and inclusion in today's world. Through captivating conversations, Linda shares her wealth of knowledge, provides practical solutions, and sheds light on the latest trends and advancements in the field. Whether you're a business owner or a disability advocate or simply curious about the world of accessibility, this podcast is your go-to resource. Get ready to unlock new perspectives, break down barriers, and embark on a journey of empowerment. Are you ready to create a more inclusive world? Let's begin. Welcome to the Accessibility Solutions Podcast. So I'm very pleased today to have Ingrid from the Ontario Disability Employment Network that's going to do today's presentation. So Ingrid is a licensed professional engineer with the province of Ontario. She has over 20 years combined working experience in corporate, entrepreneurial, and not-for-profit settings. Since 2017, Ingrid has worked with the Ontario Disability Employment Network, ODIN, first as a diversity and inclusion specialist, and now as the director of special projects and innovation. As a D&I specialist, Ingrid was instrumental in moving 250 people who have a disability into employment and delivering the ODIN Disability Awareness and Confidence Training to over 500 business members. Her latest role, Ingrid contributes to ODIN's mission by working alongside a team of professionals who identify and promote innovative and promising practices in both the business and employment service provider sector. Ingrid is a confident leader with excellent interpersonal and relationship management skills. She is an experienced trainer who has effectively delivered content to multicultural and multi-generational audiences locally and internationally. Lastly, Ingrid is a professional with a strong project management program and procedure development skills. Ingrid's vision for her son who has Down syndrome and with that of all parents. She has a vision that her son will grow up in a society where people with disabilities will participate in formal higher education, that as citizens, they will be engaged in equal and meaningful employment. Her vision is that they will access and contribute to decision-making processes, which directly impact their lives, and they will be recognized as vibrant contributors to their communities. So welcome, Ingrid. I'm going to uh, let Ingrid take it from here with her presentation. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. And thank you for that fulsome introduction. I sometimes forget, you know, the things that you put on the website and realize that that wasn't needed. <laughs> I'm Ingrid Mushta. I am the Director of Special Projects and Innovation at the Ontario Disability Employment Network. It is truly a pleasure to be here with you today. And I just want to acknowledge that we are very thankful to Accessibility Solutions, to Brantford Business Resource Enterprise Centre, the Chamber of Commerce of Brantford Brand, as well as the Grand River Council on Aging for providing us an opportunity to spread a message that should resonate with those businesses in the call who are having a hard time accessing labor and who are looking for outside the box thinking, who are looking for outside conventional methods of hiring and are really taking a look at how they can be more mindful and be more reflective of the community that they live on by 
becoming employers of choice for the disability community. So as Linda has already noted, I am with the Ontario Disability Employment Network. And let me just give you a very brief overview of who we are. ODIN, or the Ontario Disability Employment Network, has been in operation for about 12 years. We are a network of employment service providers. These are agencies in your community who are united to increase employment opportunities for people who have a disability. I think it's very important at this point to note that ODIN does not offer services directly to job seekers, but rather we work with agencies in our network to connect those job seekers to the businesses in their community who are looking for talent, who are looking for people who can fulfill those positions that are going unfilled for you. The network is very diverse in the backgrounds and the expertise of our membership. And members are located across the province of Ontario and support people living with all types of disabilities. Odin has about 140 members, as I said, across Ontario, and we do have some members that have a national footprint. So if you are a business that operates outside of Ontario, we can also help you, connect you to the labor force that you're looking for. Before I move forward, I think it's very important to also note that disability is very personal. Disability is very complex, and disability is, as I said, very personal. So the way that people experience disability and the way that people live with disabilities will be very unique to those individuals. So I don't want this to sound like a, I'm simplifying disability, but I want to provide you with generic information that will empower you to better connect to the labor force in your communities, some who may have a disability and some who may already be in your, in your workforce already. So as I'm talking about Odin, the best way to explain what we do will be to give you an idea of the pillars of engagement for the work that we do. So these pillars support our mission, which is to increase employment opportunities for people who have a disability and to provide them access to meaningful employment. So what do we do? We work with the business sectors, people such as yourselves, to help you build your capacity to attract, to hire, onboard, and promote people who have a disability. And we do that by a number of services that can be offered, some at no charge and some for a fee. So we can provide training, we can provide opportunities for networking within our own network. We can provide training on a number of areas such as disability awareness and confidence. We can provide you with access to mock interviews. Perhaps you already know that you want to hire for the disability community, but you don't know how to access the talent or you may not feel confident enough to yet invite somebody for an interview. So this is our, some of the services that Odin can provide. We can match you, your business, to a local employment service provider. And that can begin to build that network, that community, that partnership within your community. Those will be services that are at no charge. We work on the pillar number two with our own network, with our own sector, the employment service sector, to build their capacity to see themselves as an extension of your human resources department, or perhaps to see themselves as your human resources department if you're a small to medium-sized business. So we provide that capacity building through training, through networking within our own or sector so that we can connect agencies that are just on the cusp 
of providing employment service support with some of the more experienced agencies, creating that mentorship within our own sector. We work in the area of innovation and promising practices, and this is where myself and my team live, quote unquote. We scan both the private and the not-for-profit or the business and the employment service sector to find those agencies that are doing innovative, outside-of-the-box thinking work, that those agencies that are doing the best work at connecting businesses with labor, with them, uh, job seekers who have a disability. And we analyze that, their promising practices, and bring them back to our sector to disseminate that knowledge. We do the same with businesses. We'll scan the business in different industries, different sectors, to try and identify who's connecting to people who have a disability in an innovative, uh, forthright, forthinking uh, way, and acquiring that knowledge, translating it and disseminating it across the business sector and the employment service. We consult with different levels of government. We do not lobby the government, but we are asked as subject matter experts on disability inclusion in the workforce to come and sit at tables where policy is being developed. And the last pillar of our engagement with different stakeholders is around the engaging with stakeholders who have an ultimate outcome on employment for people who have a disability. And so this will be educational uh, providers, post-secondary educational institutions, family networks. We do a lot of advocacy and presentations to those groups to let them understand that they play a very critical role in ensuring that young people who have a disability have the foundational skills that you as an employer are looking to have in your workforce. So we do a lot of work with those uh, stakeholders. So now that I've told you a little bit about who we are and what we do, I think we'll start with that whole concept of what we were here for. When the presentation was marketed and promoted, there was a number of learning outcomes that we talked about. And the first one was around the facts for what is disability and what is not, and debunking some of the myths that continue to create barriers for people who have a disability in the workplace. So I want to start first with the facts. You may or may not be aware of them, but 22% of the Canadian population self-identifies as having a disability. That's the combined populations of Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and Alberta. It's a large number of people, and it's one that is slated to grow in the next 20, 40 years to possibly one in three people. We know that COVID has created a bit of what would be, I don't want to call it a tsunami, but we are going to be seeing a lot more people identifying as having a disability, whether it's full-time disability or an episodic disability of COVID. We know that uh, Stats Canada is providing the latest stats of their census, and slowly that information is coming up. And so we know that there will be new data coming as a result of the 2020 census. In Ontario, 3.1 million Ontarians identified as having a disability. And when we look at their employment, when we look at the employment stats, 41% of those people are unemployed or have a precarious employment situation or have never been attached to the labor force. And so in order for you to have been part of that 41%, in order for you to be represented, you have had to have at least one attachment to the labor force. If that person is one that was never able to land a job, was never able to sustain a job beyond their probation period of three months, they're not accounted in that 41%. 
We know that that number is close to 70% for people who have a disability. And what's more intriguing or more puzzling is that half of the people who identify as having a disability, that's about 300,000 people who are eligible for work that have never been attached to the labor, have a post-secondary degree. They have gone beyond high school and attained whether it's an apprenticeship, a college degree, or a university degree. And they are still not doing any better in connecting to the labor force as if they just had left high school. So there's a large number of people who have a disability who have prepared to enter the workforce are still finding barriers. And when it comes to the emotional impact of disability, when we talk about who is impacted by disability, close to 53% of the population identifies as having a connection to disability. So when you think about your business and how you're operating and serving your customers, consider that one in two of those customers who you are serving could have an emotional impact to disability. We have a lot of data that tells us that the people who see businesses who are inclusive of people who have a disability will tend to return to those businesses. I myself, as a parent to a child who has a developmental disability, I will go out of my way to give my businesses to organizations and to businesses who are actively marketing to me as a person that has a connection to the disability community. So this is a fairly large group that you want to be engaging with. And when we talk about what's stopping, what's creating the barriers, the biggest barriers are always fears and misconceptions that employers may have about the talent that is found in the disability community. And this quote is from the United Nations Department of Economics and Social Affairs. It speaks to that, that the greatest barriers faced by people who have a disability when they're looking to enter the workforce are always based on myths and employers' fears of the unknown. And so let me give you a very quick overview of what still are some of the myths out there in terms of why people who have a disability continue to find barriers. Myth number one is performance, as you can see on the screen, that people who have a disability are not going to perform to the same level of productivity that you're looking for. That's a myth, both from the data that we have seen through research as well as anecdotally with businesses that have hired inclusively. 90% of workers who have a disability will perform at the same level or better than those who do not have a disability. Second myth is around attendance, that people who have a disability may, may be getting more sick more often and or may not show up. That's also a myth. We have data that shows us that 86% of people who have a disability have average or above average records when it comes to attendance. The third myth, and one as an engineer, one that I'm really always want to debunk the, the loudest is around safety, that people who have a disability would have poor safety records. It's too bad that we're doing this virtually because if we were together, you would see that I'm only five one, five foot one. And so I know that I'm short and I know what my limitations would be. So I would not be, you know, putting myself into a dangerous situation, trying to get onto a chair to try and, and reach a high shelving. That sort of thinking is also what makes people who have a disability to be safer 
in the workplace. They understand their limitations. They understand their own bodies. They have navigated from beginning of the day to the end of the day, a world that is not created for them. So they will be safe in the job because they want to go home at the end of the work shift. So this whole concept of safety, you know, we need to debunk that, that people who have a disability are not safe because we know that 97% of workers who have a disability rate average or above average in safety. And that's a critical myth that we want to debunk. The other one is on high turnover that, you know, workers who have a disability will leave you and you'll have to replace them often. That's a myth as well. We know that people who have a disability would tend to stay in workplace that they initially landed on. And in here, we have to be a little bit careful, I would say, because we can tend to become too comfortable knowing that people may stay on that same position, that they may stay with you. You want to promote people internally as well. People who have a disability have the capacity to continue to learn. And so you want to provide opportunities for promotion. You know, if somebody has worked really well, why not look at making them a supervisor, a manager, if they have the capacity to do that? The other ones are around your WSIB and how your WSIB fees will go up because you're hiring somebody who has a disability. That's definitely a myth. You know, workplace safety and insurance for insurance doesn't go up because you're hiring people. It goes up when you're having claims. And we know that if you have a workforce that's safe, you do not have any accidents, you don't have any claims to put through. So your WSIB fees will not be going up. The last one is around accommodations, that accommodations will be too costly for you to hire people who have disability. That's also a myth as well. The Job Accommodation Network has surveyed from the period of 2004 to 2012 a number of organizations, a number of businesses. And what they found out is that about 57% of businesses surveyed said that their accommodations cost them nothing at all. And when we think of accommodations, don't automatically go into the idea of a ramp. Don't automatically go into the idea of opening, automatic opening doors. Those are absolutely essential. Those are absolutely crucial to make your physical environment accessible, but also consider the things that you may not be aware or familiar with. For some people, checklists are an accommodation just to keep them on track. The ability to have somebody call you rather than to email a manual checklist, if you can have an auditory list, those are the type of accommodations that you know we want to get you thinking about. As I go uh, as well, coming back to the whole concept of accommodations, on average, accommodations will cost about $500. There are exceptions, as I said, you know, the idea of the door openers, the idea of the ramp, accommodations with American Sign Language interpreters. But on average, the cost of an accommodation can be around $500. So now that we know what are the myths, let's talk about the business case as to what you wouldn't want to hire from the disability community. Why are you going to this talent to support your labor shortage needs? The first one is around innovation. You know, People who have a disability, as I said before, have navigated a world that is not meant for them. And so they problem solve every single day. And that brings up the whole concept of being innovators by the design of their navigation of their day. So we know people who have a disability have 
they are problem solvers, they're agile, they have a way of thinking that is different. All of this will bring a strength to your workforce, to your business. The second one is around increased profits. The Corporate Leadership Council notes that engaged companies grow their profits by as much as three times faster than their competitors when they hire, when people are hiring with a diversity in mind and a diversity that includes disability. We also know from business through research by Deloitte, the businesses that hire from the disability community see better business outcomes. So that's your performance and productivity. They are eight times, those businesses that hire more inclusively are eight times more likely to achieve those business outcomes. The next thing or the next point to make is that concept of having access to a workplace that is prepared. I already gave you that number that 50% of people who have a disability have the academic, have the skills and competencies that you need because they have already gone for those through post-secondary education. So that is a prepared workforce that is ready and willing to come and join your businesses. The next one is around customer loyalty, as I mentioned earlier. You know, disability, the National Business Disability Council did a research on in 2017, a survey, and they identified that 78% of Canadians are more likely to buy products or services from businesses that show an intentional inclusion of people who have a disability. As I told you, I will go out of my way, provide my hard-earned dollars to businesses that have a disability-inclusive mission. And the last one is around productivity. That organization I was telling you about, the Job Accommodation Network, they have found that employers who accommodate employees who have a disability through inclusive hiring practices see their increased employees' productivity higher up to jump up to 72%. So, you know, what does all of this mean? We know that through COVID, you are probably feeling the impact of COVID and the changing nature of what we're seeing right now. We know that there is a demand, a very high demand for labor in industries such as food production, supply, manufacturing, tourism, hospitality, you name it. All of you are looking for labor. And we know that there has been also a push to changes in the workforce that are requiring or that are seeing a lot more people wanting to do work from home. But what we have found is that for those organizations that are providing some work from home opportunities where possible, 80% of them surveyed their people and said that they are enjoying the ability to work from home, that 41% saw more productivity because people were able to do work from home, and that 28% say that they were just as productive as they would have been in the office. This is kind of, of some of those accommodations that the disability community has been talking about for a while. You know, for people who have episodic disabilities, really understanding when their disability is going to flare up is difficult. And so working from home provides them the opportunity to be productive, to be a contributor to their local economy while taking into consideration 
their disability. And we're talking about people who have degrees, accountants, marketing, business, administration, people that can work from their own homes, just as I am doing right now. So, you know, we talk about the benefits, we talk about why you want to do, why you want to hire from the disability community. I think that it's worth putting some numbers as well as the return on investment for inclusion in the workplace. I don't have to tell you this, employee turnover is costly. There's a lot of data out there that tells us numbers that are meaningful to you. For example, Sodexo did a study and found out that when they have to replace a frontline employee, they were looking at a cost of about $4,000 for their turnover. If that replacement was a manager, the cost was $15,000. Manulife has another research that shows that their base salary cost on turnover was about $48,000. Oh, sorry, for a position that has a base salary of about $48,000, their cost of turnover was $18,000. And it's very similar in food and hospitality, those numbers of around $4,000. And that includes the time that you put in to train somebody, the time uniforms, if you're providing uniforms, provides the, the salaries of people who are mentoring that person to be up to speed. So cost of turnover is high. And as I said before, you know, people who have a disability will tend to stay. And we know that about 70, by, by as much as 72%, that's the retention rate for employees who have a disability. But there's also something else that's happening, and I don't have a data to show in a line, but for companies that hire more inclusively, not only are you retaining those employees who have a disability, you're also retaining people who do not have a disability. Because when a business becomes more disability inclusive, the employee engagement goes up. People in your own existing workforce will see that you are accommodating, that you are looking to have them be truly themselves, to not fear and to trust yourselves as an organization. And so those employees will tend to stay longer as well. And that's what we like to call the positive impacts of inclusion in the workplace, those things that are not quantifiable, that are intangible, you know, that whole concept that in order to be disability inclusive, you have to have respect and, and equity and equality. When you build that, you'll have people feeling more value, that your organization has them, values them beyond just a number and a resource, values them as people. And then they begin to feel that they belong to your organization. And that belonging, that trust allows for open conversations, truly open conversations about what people need in order to be successful. When we talk accommodations, we talk about you asking the person who has a disability, what do they need in order to be successful. And those are the kind of open, transparent conversations you can have when you begin to think about belonging, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And when people feel that they belong, when they people feel that they are being heard, and that empowers employees to be ready to engage, to give more than what is being asked of themselves and creating that truly inclusive workplaces. So companies that include people with disabilities in their workforce outperform those that do not. I've already talked a little bit about these numbers, but you know, people, um, organizations will see 28% higher revenues, 
30% better profit margins, 90% increase in the retention of employees, productivity goes up, you have an increased workforce that is more safe, as well as having employees that report that they are being, feel that they are, that they belong. I think I'm repeating myself here, so I'm just going to move on on the, in the interest of time. I'll present two business cases around companies that have, have had success in hiring and including people who have a disability that we have worked with. You can always find more case studies on our website, and I'll put that on the chat when I finish the presentation. But I want to give you an example of an office location here. Utilisysts is an engineering facility in Bonn. They call up saying, called us up saying that they wanted to be more mindful of the community that they were in and wanted to hire people who have a disability. We provided training on disability awareness and confidence for all personnel because we can't always assume that people have had an opportunity to work with other people who have a disability. So that training allows for open conversations, allows for an opportunity in a safe space for people to ask any type of question. The results were that two people were hired on administrative duties. That has increased employment uh, engagement because people are feeling that the organization values the community, reflects the community that they're in. Management team has the team that manages and supervises. All of the employees have noted that because they have had to do things differently to accommodate for the, the new employees, they're becoming better people managers. I'll give you a very simple example. Not this company, but another one that we have worked with who have hired uh, people who are deaf. They said that their minutes for their meetings now have to be written, script, and that is so that they can be passed on to the ASL interpreter before the meeting starts. What that has created is an efficiency because minutes are writing the minutes now allows them to stick to their agenda and not to deviate from what they wanted to talk about. And so this is an organization that is fairly large. So that whole concept of being efficient is really attractive to them. The other case study that I wanted to give you is a manufacturing facility in Milton. Rockwell produces insulation. And in 2018, they reached out to Odin because they were having a really hard time hiring. In Milton, almost zero unemployment uh, in the facility near the where the facility is located. Companies were you know, taking employees from each other. Rockwell wanted to think outside the box and try and figure out how can we solve our problem of labor shortage? So they called Odin and we conducted a number of audits. We delivered a number of facility of uh, trainings at all hours of the night because this is a 24 hour facility. So we meet the needs of the business when it comes to training. We did audits of the HR policies and procedures to identify where inadvertently biases were being introduced and we connected them to a community partner. That whole work, that whole project resulted in six employees who are deaf being hired within their community in a number of manufacturing settings. And it has allowed Rockwell to start a line much faster than, than what they had anticipated. So coming, bringing us back to those learning outcomes that we had talked about, we had talked about, you know, debunking the myth, providing information, real information about the business case for hire more inclusively, providing you with a couple of examples of case studies. And now we're looking at how do we create, how do we engage people who have a disability to create this inclusive workforce. This is not an exhaustive list. These are a number of opportunities for reflection 
for you, for your business to think about how do you engage the disability community. But the first one is to review accessibility in your workplace, you know, from the built environment to the processes that you're utilizing to attract, to hire, onboard, and promote your employees. Who are you connecting to help you and support you? I have already told you that we have a network of about 140 agencies. These are your resources in your communities. Get to know them so that you can be connecting to the talent that you need. Review your recruitment processes. Are you being, are you attracting intentionally talent who has a disability? Do you indicate that you will provide accommodations across the entire span of the hiring process for anyone who has a disability? If somebody is requesting an interview via Zoom because they can't accommodate teams, that may be a subtle way of telling you that they that's their accommodation request. You know, I know that teams sometimes can be a little bit difficult when it comes to closed captions. So keep that in mind. Is the interviewer asking for something in a subtle way that may be an accommodation? Review your job descriptions. We typically tend to use boilerplate templates when it comes to job posting, but some of them are inadvertently creating barriers. You know, an easy one is that example of must have a driver's license. Does the job require a driver's license or are you asking the person for a clearance check? Why are you, you know, is the license, is the driving, is driving an essential function of the job? And if it isn't, then remove it. Because if somebody who has a disability sees that, it automatically, and they don't have a license, they will automatically exclude themselves and not even allowing that opportunity for connection. Provide access to training for all of your employees. Nowadays, it's a lot easier. There's a lot, a number of organizations such as Odin that are providing excellent, excellent content. Provide an opportunity for your employees to have access to that knowledge so that they are empowered not only to work with people who have a disability, but to serve customers who have a disability. Remember that creating an inclusive workforce is not only good for you as a business, it's good for the community because you're becoming an employer, a service provider of choice. Build the relationships that you need with employment service providers in your community. And some of these things that I've been talking about. There's a number of really, really good resources in our website, odinnetwork.com, under the business tab, business resources. They're all for free. Come and download them. We have resources on providing inclusive interviews, resources on tips for ensuring that you're communicating that you're a business that is open to the disability community. They're very digestible pieces of information that you can be looking at. So make sure that you visit our website. I will put that link as well in the chat when we when I finish talking. I'm close to the end, Linda. The next learning objective we had was about ensuring that you implement this in a successful manner. And the very first thing I'm going to say is that you have to be motivated, in, intentional in your motivation. Be mindful that a checkbox is not going to work here. Be mindful that hiring one person whose staff is not going to work here. Be mindful that, you know, you have to prepare for the journey. Really, it's a journey, particularly if you've never had had the opportunity to know someone who has a disability or work with someone who has a disability, but be intentional. Manage the process well. There are many organizations such as ourselves who can support you through that journey, employment service providers, 
see them as your extension to your human resources department. They want you to succeed because when you succeed, there are many more job seekers they can connect to the labor market. So they have your success in mind. Create an inclusive work environment, again, by you know, reviewing what the built environment looks like, but what does the other processes in your business are looking for from a disability uh, lens? And this is where we can provide support as well. And demonstrate that you are mindful in being inclusive. Does your website indicate that you can provide services for people who have a disability in a different way? Do you have an accessible website? Do you have a, a way for others who may not access your built environment to connect with you? Are you providing a contact name for anyone who needs to have an accommodation? Those are critical small steps for ensuring that you're demonstrating an inclusive, a disability inclusive vision for your business. Just briefly, I should just say that Odin does provide some services and you can see those in our website, but we can do reviews of human processes and procedures. We can identify and connect you to the employment service providers in your network, and we can provide disability confidence and awareness training for anyone who's looking to build that professional development. And here are some of the businesses that we have worked with who are now uh, have built that disability confidence in their processes. I thank you for your time. Those last few slides went a little fast, but I do want to leave the door the opportunity for some meaningful conversation. And so I'm happy to take any questions. Thank you so much, Ingrid. I've got a few questions myself. I'm inviting anyone, if you have any questions, please put them in the chat. Ingrid has indicated, entered her email address there if you'd like to reach out to her. I Accessibility Solutions is an accessibility consulting firm that works with businesses around the areas of AODA compliance, including inclusive hiring. So a number of the points that Ingrid pointed out in terms of embracing, especially in the areas of recruitment and accommodations in the hiring process are actually legislated under the AODA Employment Standards Act. So you, as an employer, already have a compliance issue if you're not including inclusive hiring practices in your regular, whether it be your job postings, your interviewing, your, your onboarding, all of that is already included under the Employment Standards Act. So we, for, we do offer services that help, especially when you're looking at recruiting employees. The other comment that I'd like to make, I talk to a lot of businesses right now. You're referencing, I think, Milton that has about 0% unemployment. So I'm located in Brantford and we have a about 3% unemployment, but my husband owns a business in an industrial area. And I would say if you drive down any of the streets in the industrial area, most of them have large, you know, neon signs that they're hiring. And the world is short-staffed because there are more people leaving the workforce through retirement than there are younger people entering the workforce. And that is only going to continue as the population ages. So really opening your business up to hiring persons with disabilities is good for business. I just want to get to a couple of questions that we do have in the chat. So there is a question that says, are there any government subsidies for hiring somebody with a disability? So Ingrid, I'm going to let you take that one. Yep. There are a number of employment service providers that are running programs, particularly those that are run 
uh, or that are funded with Ministry of Labor. They would provide a subsidy for for employing. You know, however, while that I have, I don't want to say a bias, but I there is something to be said about subsidies. If the hiring is being done because of the subsidy, then that is not a job that or that is a job that may be precarious. And so perhaps you can look at the subsidy, not necessarily, you know, for the hiring, for the salary of that employee, but look at the subsidy from a perspective of supporting your needs around training and professional development, and maybe providing for that employment service provider to provide some of what would be called job coaching. You know, if the person requires somebody that can help you understand how to create the accommodations we're talking about, maybe those funds can go to that concept of creating the inclusive environment, not necessarily to the salary. So I know that that was a long uh, question, uh, answer to that question. There are employment service providers that do provide subsidies for hiring someone who has a disability. I just want you to be mindful and to remember that if you are just creating that position for that subsidy, that may be a position that is truly not needed in your business. And they may, you know, think about what happens to the sustainability of that position. Yes. And I, I can just add to that as well. And, and I've run into this with some businesses, you know, thinking in the terms of inclusive hiring, we would certainly, you know, kind of agree with Ingrid that this is a culture shift in your business. So it's not a matter of can we get somebody subsidized to bring on a person with a disability, but more thinking along the lines of these are what our employee, uh, business needs in terms of employers, you know, what employees we need to bring on board, and then thinking along the lines of how we can consider inclusive hiring practices, practices to fill those vacant positions. So it's important to, you know, kind of not think along the lines of, can I get some free money to bring on someone who has a disability? And more along the lines of, you know, how can my business benefit from inclusive hiring strategies and really open yourself up to untapped pool of potential employees that are not currently being represented in the labor market. And, you know, there is a critical labor shortage. So, you know, I think a lot of what Ingrid does and certainly a lot of what I do, the work that we do with businesses is try to is try to do that, that collaboration piece, that matching where there are so many businesses out there that are short staffed and are, you know, struggling. A lot of businesses that are struggling to stay open regular hours, a lot of businesses that are struggling with production lines and in terms of getting their products out the door because they just don't have enough people. And then, you know, kind of, as I said, our job is to then say, you know, how we can help. So whether it be Odin or, or uh, accessibility solutions, how we can help with that matching process. And as Ingrid said, you know, accessing the services of local employment service providers to say decision that we would, you know, to fill the vacancies that we already have, that inclusive hiring practices are something that we as an organization would like to embrace. So that that one of the things. Now I've got another question. What can employers do to address attitudinal barriers 
created by coworkers towards a new employee with a disability. And Ingrid, I'm going to let you take that one. I also have another question around your disability confidence training, which is something else that I think you can probably tie in with this. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it truly is about providing opportunities for training. We have found that most often is not having the opportunity to understand what disability is. A lot of businesses have already a diverse force from an ethnic or a gender perspective with that lens, but they may not have had ever someone who has a disability come to be part of their workplace environment. And by having that opportunity to do disability awareness and confidence training, you're allowing your employees an open and safe space for conversations. And to really bring this information to all people in your organization to debunk those myths. It's when we start having really very informal conversations about disability and showing your coworkers and your staff and your supervisors more especially what people who have a disability can do. You know, we have done work with the CNE, for example, the Canadian National Exhibition, where they did often a demographic survey to try and identify, you know, what communities they were, what were being represented in their business. And so we knew that they were doing also a checkbox for disability. And they had a very low number in terms of the people within their own staff who were identifying as having a disability. It wasn't until the training was being done and we they were talking intentionally about engaging the disability community as talent, not as people they were serving, but as talent internally, that their numbers of self-disclosing began to go up. What that means is that they internally had people who didn't trust come out and say that they had a disability. And so you have to build trust. You have to build opportunities for open, safe conversations. It, remember that ladder that I was showing. People need to be treated equally well or with equality and equity, right? That whole concept that everybody is deserving of respect, that everybody's deserving of the access to the opportunities, that we can create safe space for conversation and for really to debunk the myths. That's, that's the first answer. How do you get rid of that bias towards somebody who has a disability. The second one is on the disability awareness and confidence training. We walk people through the different types of disabilities, whether it's sensory, whether it's physical, intellectual. We talk in a very generic way about what disabilities some of the characteristics generically that you may see in someone who has dyslexia. We talk about what can you do in the workplace to ensure that, you know, when you're working with somebody who has a disability, you're providing them with opportunities for success. We talk about accommodations and disclosures. If we're looking to work with that demographic in specific, so for the example I, I shown you with the manufacturing facility in Milton, they are in an area where there's a large population of deaf. So going back to that whole concept of being mirroring your community, they wanted to engage with the deaf community. So we co-facilitate training with one of our agencies that has the expertise in deaf culture. We are not saying that we are experts on deaf culture, 
we are bringing the agency that has that expertise and together we could facilitate the training. So we have access, like I said, to 140 agencies that can provide a number of services together. So on behalf of Accessibility Solutions and our partners, the Business Resource Center, the Brantford Brant Chamber of Commerce, and the Grand River Council on Aging, we really want to thank Ingrid and the Ontario Disability Employment Network for doing the presentation for us for us this month. And we invite you to, Ingrid has her contact information there, social media contacts, as there are a number of resources that are free on their website as well. So I would certainly encourage you to, to visit that and or take uh, Accessibility Solutions up on the offer for a free consultation to discuss accessibility opportunities in your business. And with that, there are no further questions. So thank you to Ingrid. Thank you to everyone that joined us. Thank you for joining us on the Accessibility Solutions Podcast hosted by Linda Hunt. We hope these discussions have inspired you and provided valuable insights into the world of accessibility and inclusion. If you're ready to take the next steps in creating an accessible and inclusive environment, we invite you to book a personalized accessibility solutions consultation with Linda. As an experienced accessibility consultant, Linda will work closely with you to develop innovative solutions tailored to your unique needs and challenges. Together, you'll navigate the complexities of accessibility regulations, explore inclusive design principles, and implement practical strategies to ensure equal access for all. Don't miss this opportunity to make a real difference, visit our website at solutionsforaccessibility.com. And that's the number four. So solutionsforaccessibility.com. Schedule your consultation today. Let's transform your space into an inclusive and welcoming environment for everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Accessibility Solutions Podcast. Stay tuned for more empowering episodes as we continue our journey towards a more accessible world.